So I kind of came up with a title for this of how can we optimize the power of God in our lives? Okay, so our verse for the year, shall we, shall we turn to it? Or does anybody know it? Can anybody do it straight off? 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. And it's lovely to have Jane here painting as well. It's, um, I'm so glad you've got that gifting. I'm not, I'm not, it's not me up there painting. Because <laughs> we wouldn't know what it is. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to read from 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity but of power, love, and self-discipline. So honesty is something that we, or I, try, I think we do as a church, we strive for. So I'm going to be honest with you, straight off. Honest. I'm so glad I didn't get to preach on (laughs) (laughs) self-discipline. But I will be here taking notes. Okay. Power. Can we have a look at the pictures, Joe? Yes. If that's all right. <clears throat> Powerful. Springboks, I put this one up specially for Jean. <laughs> Let's have some more power. Proper power. There we go. There we go. Can you flick through to the next one, Joe? You can keep, keep flicking. Does anybody remember this guy? This is showing my age. So this is from Wall Street, it's Michael Douglas playing a character called Gordon Gecko, and it was all about sort of the whole money thing and is in wherever he was, somewhere posh in America, and uh, the power of, of, of money. Just the next one? There you go, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? Yeah. You can just imagine standing next to that and thinking, oh, that's pretty powerful. And there you go, age old. Next one, Joe? Oh, that hasn't come out particularly well. Can anybody roughly see what it is? Yeah, volcano. And the next? We'll leave that one up there for a sec. We won't go into the next one. So if, you, if I'd have thought to myself maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, thought of power, some of those pictures would have been the things that I would have thought represented power or meant power. But thankfully, since I've come to the Lord, I have a slightly different perspective. And that's hopefully what we're going to look at today and see what type of power that's in our verse for today. But what's, what's the important power? What's power that we need to cling on to, that we need to know more about? And what's the power that actually, you know, I don't know whether we need to look at that quite so sensibly as such. So I want to, um, to read from verse 5. So this is prior to the verse verse that we've got for the year. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love and self-discipline. So, 
Never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. It's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? So where does this power come from? It kind of tells us in, in, in that scripture. It's from the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. So last week, Aid talked about the passage in Acts 8, verse 17, where Peter and John laid hands on believers and they received the Holy Spirit. The reason I want to look at this a bit further is that this highlights the kind of power we're talking about and how we might be able to access this power. Paul, the author of this letter, knows all about the laying on of hands. So this is, a, this is a section in the Bible. When I first came to start reading the Bible, Paul, Saul, Saul, Paul, it had me spinning. I couldn't work out who was who. So for those of you who are not aware, because I still have to keep reminding myself, Saul started off as a, he's a persecutor of the Christians, but he was later called Paul. I could have called him something slightly more. <laughs> but anyway, okay. So Saul and Paul are interchangeable. So before, when he was known as Saul, he was, Acts 9 verse 1 tells us that he was eager to kill believers of Christ, followers of the Lord. And yet he's unrecognisably transformed. He is impacted by the power of God. He is changed in such an extreme way, as far away as black is from white. There's a complete turnaround. There's a change. So how? How does that happen? So first, this, this story of him being on the road to Damascus. Yeah? So he's on his road. He's going with the sole intention of killing more Christians. That's his, his role. And he's blinded by the great light. And it causes him to fall on the ground. And it's then that he's spoken to by God. And after he's spoken, he's, been, he's rendered helpless. For me, this conjures up almost like a... He has to be led by the hand into Damascus. He's almost like a child. He's, almost, he's just been rendered completely powerless. If you imagine um, how that would feel for him, having sight and then not having sight, he can't get to anywhere. And that's a real... like that. So at a similar time... God spoke to a believer, a follower of Christ, in Damascus, named Ananias. And God told him to go and find Saul and lay hands on him. Okay, that's a specific job that Ananias has to do. So imagine, from Ananias' point of view, you're asking me to go to find this guy that is, his sole intent is to kill Christians. 
I'm a Christian. And you're saying, go and find him. It's kind of against the grain. But Ananias is faithful. He's faithful to his Lord. He's faithful to his God. And he goes and finds him. The point I want to make is highlighted in verse 17, and it says this. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, he, Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. The scriptures tell us that Saul, stroke Paul, then went on to immediately preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And his preaching was powerful. For me, this speaks of a type of power that is possibly the type of power that I, we, uh, don't consider enough in our Christian lives. Um, and I would like to harness that power if it's been given to me. What power could bring about such a drastic change? A change that covers such a massive spectrum. What kind of power can turn a man from chapter 9 verse 1 that's eager to kill and 20 verses later he's preaching the word of Jesus Christ. He's preaching the good news. How does that work? It's only the Holy Spirit that can do that. Yeah, amen to that. It's the same power that beat death and raised Jesus from the dead. It's as I said last week, is dynamis power, is dynamite. This dynamis is without doubt a word that is talking only of a power that is derived from the Holy Spirit. Here's a bit of news. Let's turn to Ephesians, if you can. And we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Do we sometimes need to remember that we have that same power? It's the same power. Do we need reminding? Do you want to say after me? I have the same power in me, power in me. that raised Lord Jesus Christ from the grave. And I can use that power in my life. Exactly. So we know where this power comes from. We know it's a gift from the Holy Spirit. And we know that we can receive this gift by the laying on of hands. But what if we wanted to increase the power? And what about looking after that gift? So increasing power. Have a look at that first sentence of chapter 1 verse 19. Paul says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who... Believe in him. To believe 
is to have faith. And to have faith, however simple, is to allow God's power to run through your very being. If you have an expectancy for the power of God, I believe God's power will be evident in every aspect of your life. When you have Christ in your life, and you have the gift of faith, power can grow. In the verse before, the verse for the year, Timothy 1 verse 7, Paul reminds Timothy with these words. He was told to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. So this kind of, for me, this conjures up, this is a bit of a Bear Grylls moment for me. I don't know why, when I was reading this, I just suddenly, I thought, there's a bit of bear in this. <laughs> and it's this, it's this section. Has anybody seen Bear Grylls on the telly? You know when he gets dropped out of the helicopter and all that business and he's got to somehow make his way out of some crazy wilderness situation. So the one that gets me is the one where he's, he's dropped into somewhere almost like the Rockies or near Alaska or something. And it's freezing cold. And he gets dropped in and he says, oh, I've, I can't, I've got to keep heading, you know, south or east or what. I'd, I'd be useless if it was, if he, you're supposed to go in a particular direction, I seem to remember, but I've, I've now forgotten it. But anyway, um, he gets dropped in this area and he's got to get out. He's got to find his way back to civilization. And he comes to a section of the river and he says, right, I'm going to have to go across the river. There's nothing for it, uh, but it's freezing cold water, but it doesn't matter if I'm quick. I should be able to get through and not get hypothermia. So in he jumps, he gets across wading, then he's having to swim. He's got his backpack and you're thinking, oh, bear, mate, this is, you might, you might have bitten off too much here. But he gets to the other side and he gets out and in true Bear Grylls style, he strips naked. You should never leave cold you know, wet clothes on, especially in Alaska. So he has to take those off. You get even quicker hypothermia if you leave them on. He wraps himself in a reindeer skin and something that he's killed earlier on in the day and sort of traps. He feasts on reindeer testicles because that's where all the nutrition is. And there's always, why does he say that when he's picking things off of bugs and this is where all the nutrition and the goodness? No, wait till you get home. Have, some, have something nice. But this is the bit. So he's there, and then he's like, right, we've got to make a fire. So he sits there with this sort of half log. He's found, and he's got his knife and shaped out. And he gets the stick. He does that, and then the camera pans back to him, you know, 20 minutes later. He's still and it's starting to smoke a little bit. And he says, here it is. There's an ember. So you know, he shows up there. And he gets a little bit of dry grass and packs it into the ember. Packs it around. blows into it, and then it goes. There's a yellow-orange flame. He's fanned into life his fire that is going to warm him up. <coughs> Once he's got his ember going and his fire going, he can then put some sticks on and he can get himself nice and warm. You see, God has done the hard bit to produce the ember. He's given you that ember. He's then given you the gift of the Holy Spirit to come and whoosh, 
blow that ember and to create the fire. All of us that have faith will start to build a fire in our spirit with holy flames. It's that moment of the flames just starting that I equate to when faith begins. This is how it felt for me. I I don't know whether it felt like that for anybody else. But that's when the flames start. And the journey of knowing that Jesus is by your side. That's when the fire gets going. And we have available to us a union with the Holy Spirit to fan the flames of holy power. Now, you could have this fire as a tiny little fire just with a few twigs and sticks. And you might think, well, that's fine for me. I I don't think it is. I don't think it's acceptable to do that. I think we should be fanning, we should be doing what the scriptures tell us to. We should be building this fire. So believing or having faith is key. The next practical application to this is prayer. It's no surprise. We, We talk about it all the time. We pray all the time in church. We should be praying all the time in our daily lives. We should pray at home. We should pray through the day. Matthew 7, verse 9, says this. You parents, these are the words of Jesus. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So, if you sinful people know how to give such good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Who ask him? Ask. This gift that we have been given has amazing potential. Say you receive a present, a beautiful sports car or something like that. You don't just drive it round in first gear. You want to know what it can do. You want to, within the law, you want to know exactly... (laughs) how fast it could go or how it feels. Say someone gives you a smartphone. You don't just make a phone call on it. You use the camera. You use the internet. You might even use WhatsApp. (laughs) The point I'm making is that the gift of power that God has given us should be investigated to realise all of its potential. We should look into it, we should investigate it, we should pick it over. We should aim to use it, or it may die back to a tiny little fire of twigs. I almost did, when I was writing this, and I crossed it out, or sorry, I deleted it, or whatever you do. But I, I would have crossed it out if it was on paper, but I wrote down, use it or lose it, which is like a bit of a, one of those phrases, yeah? But actually, it wasn't true. I don't think you do. You sh- we should use it and try and expand, but you won't lose it. I think God is faithful to us. God is always there. That ember is always there. So we might not use it too well. I'd encourage you to, but it, it's not use it or lose it. It's always there. So pray. Ask God through his Holy Spirit to wake you up, to equip you with all that you need to harness this power and to use it for his glory. If we pray to our God, there is a a reciprocation, there is a cooperation, that's a word we use um, quite a lot. 
He is going to be pleased that you are using the gifts that he has given you. It will alter the way you live. Colossians 1 verse 10 says this, Then the way you live will always honour and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We want some of that, don't we? We want to know God better and better. Okay, so we've looked at where power comes from, the Holy Spirit. We've looked at how we can impart that gift to others through the laying on of hands. We've looked at how to increase that power by the gift of faith, by believing. And we've looked at how prayer can develop this power in relationship with God. That all sounds pretty rosy, doesn't it? But you see, we've left something out. There's another power. The power of God is not the only power. That song that we sing, I think it's Godfrey Bertel, there's a battle raging over this land. A deep damage to the people. Sing it and preach it. Yeah. Multitasking. <laughs> I better not sing. I won't sing. I don't want to do the singing anymore. But that's talking of the battle that is over this land. That's true, isn't it? We're all being uh, fought over. There is a power associated with the enemy, with evil, with Satan. And I believe that it's not wise to underestimate this power because it's a power that through any means possible wants us to go directly against the way of love, the way of Jesus. The enemy will do anything to cause us to have fear, doubt, uncertainty, to help us to sin. Although, as a tiny bit of an aside, I just would stress that our role in sin should be acknowledged and not simply passed off in every case as an act of the enemy. We actually need to take responsibility when it is required. We need to repent and take it to the Lord of forgiveness. Sin will damage our gift of power. Sin seeks to dampen down that fire. The enemy, the devil, is a master of stealth and will strive to target our weaknesses. And we all have weaknesses. You know, no, we, there's only one perfect one, Jesus. We, we are all weak. This power will seek us out and slowly and steadily seep into our very being and cause destruction. He delights in opportunities to strike at our very souls. So here's an example. This week, I was preparing for today. Or the last two weeks I've been preparing. But this week, on Monday, I had a dream. Uh, and it wasn't a particularly nice dream. I, in my dream, I was standing over by the doors here. And it was a Sunday morning, we were getting ready. I take it that it was supposed to depict this, this Sunday. 
And somebody came up to me, I don't know who it was, it might have been Rebecca, it might have been Aidan, and said, oh, we're starting in 10 minutes. And uh, I said, oh, right, okay, that's fine. And then somehow, I don't know how, but in my mind, there was a balcony that ran across the top here, all the way around. And I was up in the corner, up there, and I got my bag, and I started looking through my paper notes, and I had one sheet of A4. Now, my abilities as a preacher don't stretch to being able to do it without notes, okay? So, I need more help in that, Lord. So, I had my one sheet, and I was looking through it, and I was thinking, you got ten minutes to go. You need to come up with something else. And I was in total and utter panic. <laughs> it was not good. And... While I was sitting there trying to desperately think of something to write down, people kept coming up and saying, oh, Matt, can you just, I'm just doing, um, could you just, I was like, oh, yeah, I was trying to be polite and, you know, wanting to say, just go away. <laughs> but, I, but I didn't dare, you know, do it. Like, yeah, okay. And then somebody else came up and then the dream cut the next bit. I was right here. And then Aid, I think, said, oh, would I welcome Matt up. And I came and I tripped on this. I, honestly, I fell. I went to pick something up off of the stage and I sort of fell. And everybody started laughing and I just felt absolutely rubbish. And I woke up like that. Now, I woke up and I had this tiny millisecond of self-doubt of, oh no, it's all going to go horribly wrong on Sunday. <laughs> but because I had these scriptures in my head and had been thinking a lot about God's power, I was able to see straight through the schemes of the enemy and I was able to give them a good thwack with my spiritual fly swap. <laughs> <laughs> and as I sat on the bed, because I, I can't, these days... Springing out of bed doesn't really happen, so I, I, it used to. Uh, but now, I sat there on the bed, and I just almost laughed to myself. And I said under my breath, not this time. I am not going to believe your lies. But it's only because I had these scriptures. I, we, we, as a church, I need to cling on to these scriptures I need to remember that because there will be other times that the enemy creeps up to tell me, you know, that this is, this is going to happen or this isn't going to happen. I need to be ready in that millisecond to be able to say, no, I'm not having it. Now, there are some quite specific areas that the enemy loves to attack. Helping along the route of temptation, whether it be drink, food, sex, he might lead us along paths of envy, of pride, of self-interest, of guilt... That's a big one, and probably a whole preach in itself. However, there is one particular area that I would like to highlight, and it's the area of marriage. You see, there's a very specific union within a marriage. There is a man, there is a woman, and there is God. The three are bound together as a three-stranded cord. Remember to use the power of God in your marriage. Pray together. Give thanks for each other and ask the Holy Spirit to protect your marriage. Ask the Holy Spirit to help us be able to be forgiving towards each other, to be patient with each other, to be loving towards each other. 
Help us to parent well and to have the love of Jesus within us and to be central. And be aware when the enemy may be trying to get in to disrupt. Stop, pray and seek the way of love. It's not easy. I'm not saying I can do this, but I, you know, this is kind of where we need to be. So there you go. Almost landed on a bit of a downer. Sorry about that. Talking about the enemy and his power. But no, that's not where we're finishing because there is a massive right hook that you can land on the chin of the devil every single time. And this will send him packing, tail between his legs, screeching like a scolded dog. Let's all turn to Luke 10. This is one to take you through the week, through whatever. But this is one I, I feel that I would encourage us to try and cling on to. So this is when Jesus is sending out the 72. So disciples that are going off speaking of the love of Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, so we're gonna I'm just gonna read from um, from verse 2 and then we're to 4 and then we'll, we'll swap over uh, to later <coughs> verses. These were his instructions to him. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. So turn with me now to verse 17. So they've gone out and, and preached the word. When the, 17, when, sorry, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, this is, this is the take-home verse, verse 19. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. It's key that we hang on to that, that we have in us the power of Jesus Christ. And it, it, his power is above all. Say after me, I have in me This is always good for waking people up at me. <laughs> Let's start again. I have in me the authority and power of Jesus Christ over all the power of the enemy. So, I have these for you guys. This was a bit crazy. This was a Holy Spirit moment because I suddenly decided yesterday that I wanted to print some sheets off and I couldn't find somebody to do printing. So I had to go to a photo shop. I was not going to be beaten. 
So we've got, they, they're postcards ready, but they're on photos. Um, I'd encourage you to come and get these, okay? If you, and pin them up somewhere. Pin them up on your mirror when you're doing your teeth or something like that. Put it on the fridge or, you know, with a fridge magnet. Because it tells you on here that the power that raised Jesus from the grave is the same power that is in me. And it's important to remember that on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay, so these are here. These are for everybody to take. You see, the power of God is always greater than the weak and dilute power of the enemy. That's a joy and a comfort that we should take with us.